all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Caught me off guard with that one. <laughs> I'm Rachel. I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. <laughs> you like that one? <laughs> I did. Follow us Insta, Twitter, Facebook at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Oh, little Jessel. Rate, review, rescribe. If you give us a one star review, you're an asshole. And you will get dragged. Dragged so <laughs> mercilessly. <laughs> like the person who, uh, well, Basically, everyone who leaves us one stars one star thinks that they're entitled to dictate what we do in the show, which is fun, because you know, as it turns out, that's that's not and, what, and what how we, it works. And what we always say is, you can always come up with your own podcast, mm-hmm. and we it's, will actually support that action. Absolutely, it must be easy, right? Because everyone does it. Well, I mean, for three years every Monday for free without ads, <laughs> you know. Well. I guess. So. <laughs> uh, 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 we've had a week, huh? We have. Yeah. I uh, I drove to Rochester, New York. Mm-hmm. Victor, to be... Uh, yes. In case we have a, a Victor listener. Yes. <laughs> Brought back with me a gaggle of family members. Yes. So... Uh, so my, my sister moved down here a week ago. This yes. is the mm-hmm. 25th? Fifth that we're recording this. So yeah. they moved down here on the 18th of September, 2020. <laughs> yes, for memoriam. And uh, yeah, it's been a busy week. They have a, a six-year-old, an about-to-turn-eight-year-old, and a ten-year-old. Yes. <laughs> so, for a couple people with no kids, we're learning the energy requirements of yes. young children. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure I'm going to want to go to bed after we... Get done Same. recording this. Same. <laughs> On a <And> Friday night. <laughs> I know. No, totally. Same. And this morning I woke up feeling a little bleh. And it's just in the in in these trying times, like you have now have to worry about like, do I just feel bleh because I have, do a I cold? have COVID? Or yes, do I have a horrible disease that's and, killed and, hundreds and, of thousands of people? And seeing as how our president is holding super spreader events oh all, literally all over our state, and yes, I'm not exaggerating. No. I believe he's done at least three rallies yeah. in North Carolina. I think a fourth tonight? Something like that? I don't follow him. I try not to, but I do. So yeah. So we, we legitimately have to be concerned of is it yeah. COVID? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, seriously. Um, I did learn something, though, today. Uh, and this apparently, for people in other countries, I don't have any information to share. But in the United States, so I looked up because I'm like, you know, if I start feeling worse or start running a fever, I mean, at this point, you just have to get tested, right? Because it's like it could be. It could be. And you just have to rule that out. Um, or if it is, then you need to, you know, contact trace and all that. So... I looked up, because we're currently in between insurers, Um, I looked up, like, is the COVID test free? How do you do it? You know, apparently in our state, and this is the case in about half of the states in in the country, um, through insurers, it should, emphasis on should, be free. Mm -hmm. If you are uninsured... You're supposed to be able to just give your name and social security number, and they apply for federal reimbursement. Oh, okay. So it should be should. free for everybody. Apparently, the administration of that, Cal Supreme, doesn't always turn out that way. <laughs> especially, but, especially with the administration we have. Oh, my God. So, but th- I thought that I think, was interesting. I think, I think Jared is also the head of that department. Jesus Christ. You're, you're going to be head of God federal COVID testing. And, and Middle East an, Peace. And I'm an agnostic. Um, so, so yeah, I just thought that was, uh, that was interesting, but yeah, it's, it's make, it's going to make for a very interesting cold and flu season. Cause like, uh, what are you going to do? It has, like, you have to get tested basically if you feel bad, that's just how it works. Or, or I guess you could assume you have COVID and then just quarantine and tell people, but I don't know. But anyway, I hope just a very good long night's sleep. Maybe it will help. 
I took like a two hour nap today (laughs) and woke up. uh, I took it at my office because we all know I have a my own office and my own chaise lounge in my office. Yes, you do. Yes. I woke up uh, because somebody was cursing somebody out in another office. Nice. Like, literally, like, <laughs> fuck you. What the fuck is wrong? I was like, holy on the, shit. On the phone or in no, person? No, person in the, <clears throat> yeah, and the walls are thin. But anyway, I'm just rambling and telling people about my day right now, which is indicative of the week I've had. <laughs> well, it's always fun to get, to hear somebody else get cursed out. <laughs> Just to hear what other people say to each other. It's like, wow, would I really say that? It's like, yes, I really would. I'd, just, I'd be so enraged I wouldn't even remember. Yeah, that's a thing. I, I always remember uh, on Paul and Young Ron, Paul always used to say, whoever yells first loses the argument. And I have always Pretty remembered much. that. And it's so true. When you lose control, you lose an argument. Anyway, that has nothing to do with anything. What are you drinking? I am drinking the best <laughs> national local beer on the market. That would be uh, uh, they know. Bud Light, your favorite. No, that, is not, that is not the correct answer. You cannot join the uh, you cannot join the bad things uh, community now. Oh dear, I've been barred. I've been uh, kicked out. Well, I'm drinking a new seltzer you got me. Those are good. Yes, they yes. are. They have because uh, really, so many people do alcoholic seltzers now. The only thing they have is like interesting flavors. That's the only. These are, these are a little bit on the on the bougie side though bougie side yeah. how so because they're not as sweet like the trulies are really sweet the trulies are quite sweet yes yeah. um this is the pomegranate ginger yeah that actually just tastes tastes like a regular like a flavored seltzer but it just has alcohol in it i think it's a little sweet yeah. for seltzer yeah, yeah go ahead hmm, yummy <laughs> um uh shout out to wee bit brenna who is the, remember when we were recording the uh, Taconic Parkway mm-hmm. crash? Yeah. And I said, I'm pretty sure somebody suggested it. It was Brenna. It was Brenna. Yeah. Okay. So thank you, Brenna. Um, we've also been getting a lot of people reaching out and saying very nice things and offering interesting suggestions and research. And um, just like uh, one listener, Ren, today uh, emailed us just, oh, you talked about the Coriolis effect, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, in the hemispheres and everything, and they sent like this whole beautiful explan- annotated explanation, along with many other things, because Ren is a water scientist. That's nice. Which we're, is we're, just like we're gonna hang on to that research. Yes. Thank you for the free research. Yes, and yet another smart person. <laughs> yes. Yet another smart person. So. Why we don't understand, but... <laughs> but we accept it. Yes, we will. So what? What are well, I do know you gave you know me some, some hints, hints. Yes, for today. You said it was a country we have never covered before, mm-hmm. and a disaster we've only covered once. A, a type, type of, of disaster. disaster, correct? So I am going to go with a tornado in Sweden. I mean, those are. The, the, I think that. I don't think they have tornadoes. <laughs> I don't know. Let us know, Swedish listeners. Do you have? Tornadoes? I don't think we've ever been to Sweden. That was like the first country that came to mind. There was that one ferry disaster that was going between. Was that Sweden? Or Norway? I'm so confused in the Nordic countries, like Norden 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 And Finway. We just got canceled all over the place. <laughs> Norway, Sweden, and Finland. I always get them mixed up in terms of like where they fall. I want it because that was a ferry. It was. So it was actually in international waters, mm-hmm. but right. uh, I, I think. I think it anyway. was going to Norway. It may I have don't, been. I, I don't again, remember. Again, I don't remember. I remember how gruesome it was. I just don't yeah, remember exactly. Yeah, it was exactly. a bad one. That's right. It was yeah, that Hunger was a Games. horrible one. Yes, that was Hunger was. Games style. It was. I don't even remember the name of it, but yes, it was. Um, so those are two good guesses, but No. Um, I think I also told you that... Have we ever even done a tornado? We must have. At least once. Yes, the job... No, we have not. We have not done that. No? We have not done that. Maybe people are just suggesting. Anyway, um, Alex pointed out recently, she's like, you know, you guys don't do a lot of, like, blizzards or heat waves or tornadoes. I was like, yeah, you're right. We need to. We need to... They're not as fun. Well, (laughs) you know what they are is there's, there's not as much material there i guess maybe well, a little bit not only that is well I, I guess you could say the same thing for tornadoes for instance but you have mm-hmm. to live in certain parts of the earth for these things to occur i mean but the too. same thing holds but, true yeah. with like hurricanes yeah i mean i would they might be more widespread i don't know but um i think they are yeah, yeah. and like we, so, we don't get typhoons but we can relate to them 
you know. Well, isn't a typhoon just a... Not as bad hurricane? hurricane? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. We're the worst. We don't retain any information. <laughs> Let's get on to the research okay. show. <laughs> so... Or the topic, rather. What is, to Westerners, and especially Americans, the most mysterious country on Earth? Um, North Korea? Ding, ding, ding. Yeah? It, okay. You got it. You got it. I, think, yes. I don't think that's... I think that's for the rest of the world, really, I, except I, for North Korea. I agree, and we're going to find out why. <laughs> Maybe um, not the South Koreans. They might have an, an <laughs> understanding. Idea, yeah. yeah. And China, to an extent. Is it a but... blizzard in North Korea? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. No. This is the story, my friends, of the North Korea famine. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That, I, I mean, this research could have been done literally uh, about yesterday. We'll get to that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> we'll All get right. to that. Yeah. I've seen some... F- okay, sorry. Oh, well, we'll get to that. Like, yeah. Literally, yeah. we will. Okay. So between 1994 and 1998, a staggering number of North Korean residents and citizens died of mass starvation. Estimates of the total death toll are between... Any guesses? I'm going to go with... uh, I know I'm going to Samsonite it either way, so you know, go big or go home. I'm going to go with 2 million people. Between 240,000 and 3.5 million. So I was in there. You I was in the right warehouse. You were right in there. You were right in there. Obviously, and we'll talk about this later, as, estimates are tough. It sounded happy that I was in the wheelhouse. I don't <laughs> mean it. You didn't want 2 yes, million I people didn't to want, die. Yes, I didn't want 3 yeah, no. point something North 3. Koreans 5, yeah. to die. I know. I know. But I'm just glad I got it somewhat correct. <laughs> you didn't Samsonite it. No. I'm like 2 for 50 now. <laughs> So, primary sources for this research were Ancient Civilizations World, The Atlantic, Channel News Asia, Crossing Borders NK, Encyclopedia Britannica, Heavy.com, History.com, a research paper from Stanford University student Justin Wilson called The Korean Peninsula, Dynasty, Colonialism, War, and Reunification, Trading Economics, The Washington Post, and Wikipedia. So my first topic point is. Let's talk about North Korea. Let's talk about North Korea. Let's talk about how it came to be. Is that where you're yes, starting? Yes, indeed. Okay. So I will totally admit I had zero background knowledge on North Korea mm-hmm. when it came to be. Why is there North and South Korea? What was the Korean? Why Korean War? What? <laughs> why the Korean War? You know, I, I didn't know any of that. So that was one of the reasons I wanted to cover this, because we could go to a place that I have never learned about. And that is actually very difficult to learn about. Too, it is. Yes. For With known accuracy anyway, right? So it, it's one of those places that I think that the U.S., the Western world, and like you said, probably literally every other country, are majorly in the dark just, about. Yeah, uh, by design and by circumstance, both. And judging by satellite photos, North Koreans are also majorly in the dark. Mm. Quite <laughs> literally, mean, right? Yes. Yeah, I've, I've seen stuff like that, they too. Have, they have blackouts like at yeah. a, all the time, every day. That's, uh, it, it's an example, and the word, world, the word isolationism and isolated will come up a lot. I bet so. it will. So we know that presently the country is being ruled by Kim Jong-un, hmm? uh, that he makes the news occasionally, like a, spe- like a couple months ago. Like especially when our president falls in love with him. Well, there's that. Those are his words, not mine. <laughs> but also, like, people thought he was dead for a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Which, like recently, yes, like a month ago. Yes, like in April. Oh, I thought and it was then, more recent than that. And then he did pop up this month, apparently. Um, but... So, it, it, North Korea is a dictatorship. Yes. It is. Yep. Uh, Kim is called the supreme leader of North Korea. I don't know how much dictatorship is. you could get than that. But how did North Korea end up the way it did? And what happened there to make it possible for millions of its citizens to literally starve to death? Which is horrible. Because you don't starve to death tomorrow right like you're fat you're it takes fully time. nourished one day and you die the next yeah. it's actually really hard to die of starvation yeah. it takes some pretty extreme measures and your body goes through a process that Horrible. i would, would not of self-cannibalization it's yeah. terrible it yeah. is absolutely terrible learned about that in the um 
the pass, the uh, oh, Dat Love pa- no, 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 not that one. Oh, the Donner, party. the Donner, the Donner party. Yes, of yes. what happens to your body when you go through starvation, and yes. it's, it's it's awful, pretty awful sounding. It's awful. That's that's another big one we've not gotten to on the Donner party. Yeah, I'm not sure I want to anytime no, it's soon. Be <laughs> gruesome, huh? So this is this is a massively nuanced topic that I'm obviously not going to do justice to in any way, shape, or form. But I am going to try and give us at least a little overview so that we can see what led to all of this. And I also want to note, this is so important because this struck me while I was doing this research. It's easy to wag a finger at the leadership of North Korea, and rightly so. It's a dictatorship, it's awful, and they're literally killing their people, right? It's it's horrible. Um, and hundreds of thousands, possibly millions of people died because of this horrible systemic failure. But it's important to notice and note that the leadership of the United States has at least contributed to the current death toll of over 200,000 United States residents and citizens from COVID. Again, some of those deaths would have happened no matter what. They have certainly been exacerbated by a horrific vacuum of leadership, right? And a, a, a massive systemic failure. So what I am saying, and this will really anger the person who was upset that I talked about a book on communism, what I'm saying is we're not wonderfully better. <laughs> I'm not saying I would rather live in North Korea, mind you. There are There's plenty of... I would say we're definitely better than North Korea. However, there are some parallels when it comes to leadership. There's some really scary parallels mm-hmm. that will pop up. So anyway. Yeah. So we're going to start with the easy part which is geography. (laughs) So North Korea is the northern part of the Korean peninsula in Asia. It borders China to the north, as well as just like a little sliver of Russia. Mm -hmm. I mean, it looks like a sliver on the map. I'm sure it's like 20 miles or something. But anyway, and it's surrounded to the east. East. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. She's getting really worked up about North Korea. (laughs) The east by the Sea of Japan, the East China Sea to the south, and the Yellow Sea to the west. This is the whole peninsula, right? Mm-hmm. So the northern part is North Korea. So yeah, it doesn't Korea. really border that much. For Country-wise, only no, two, like yeah. mostly China and yeah. just a, yeah, a little yeah. bit of Russia. It's kind of... It's, it, it's, it's a peninsula. It's, it's kind of isolated just on, just on its own. You're right. Yes, that's true. Uh, and then obviously across the Sea of Japan to the east from the peninsula is, unsurprisingly, Japan. So the history of Korea obviously goes back millennia. And I'm not going to go into that ancient history because it's at least semi-apocryphal. I mean, seriously. Sure. Uh, it involves a man who is half heavenly prince and half bear person. <laughs> Sounds good. Man, I, ba- I make, man bear pig? Could, yes, it's like Stormy. <laughs> I could not figure it out. So I just was like, let me just fast forward. It's incredibly complex and there's dynasties and blah, blah, blah. Anyway. I'm going to just cheat and start in the second half of the 19th century. Yeah, I think that's a good place. Yeah. And that was during the Joseon dynasty. Um, Oh, yeah. Also, you get to hear me try to pronounce Korean today, so that'll be fun. And that started in the late 14th century. So it was nearly 500 years strong at this point. It was a massive dynasty. So it's a pretty good dynasty. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty good run. In 1864, technically the king of the Korean empire was Gojong, but he was only 12 years old at the time so basically his dad was the de facto leader yeah. um so his name We've was all been through that <laughs> being 12 and in charge yeah. <laughs> and your dad has to take over for you exactly uh so his father was yi ha young that um then known as hyung Xiong dawangung um and he was he was in favor of national exclusionism so he ran the empire in isolation for much from much of the rest of the world But, regardless, the country was experiencing increasing contact with the outside world, both friendly and hostile. Japan was one of the countries that were reaching out to Korea at this point, at first very diplomatically. But by 1873, Yi Ha-young abdicated to his son Gojong, who was 21 at that point. So basically he aged in, right? So he could take his throne. Um, He could at least look the part. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, uh, not taking orders from a 12 year old. <laughs> 21. 21. Like, I'll, you know, I, I won't like it, but I'll deal right. with it. You know. And 
So in this changeover of leadership, Japan successfully pressured Korea into signing a treaty, which resulted in increased Japanese trade in Korea. And this was all pretty upsetting to China, uh, which also began establishing a presence in Korea. And it, that resulted in a lopsided trade agreement that was more in favor of China than it was Korea. This led to more treaties and trade agreements with multiple Western countries, including the United States and Russia. So basically, Korea, the Korean Peninsula was no longer isolated. As Japan gained power near the end of the 1800s, it was able to basically bully Korea into a situation where they became like again it's sort of de facto colony okay. of japan sure so japan controlled like important government functions like the military and the banking system i mean if you are controlling the economy and the military you basically have full control of the country right i mean i can't think of yeah well poli- i guess pol- the political but regime but they this all did. i mean this all ties into at the time japan was also a uh uh, dictatorship. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So this colonization turned into a full-blown formal annexation in 1910, leading to Japanese culture being like foisted on the Korean people, accompanied by a deliberate effort to erase Korean culture. Near the end of World War One, the Korean people started to organize and push back. Um, and so it was like a Korean independence movement. And that became known as the March 1st movement because it formally started on March 1st, 1919. Hundreds of protests and demonstrations of the movement took place over about a year, resulting in a violently suppressive response from the Japanese police and military. That could never happen here, now could it? Yeah, again, like parallels. That's mm-hmm. a. Mm-hmm. Key word in this, uh, indeed. An estimate this, however, is pretty bad. An estimated 7,000 demonstrators were killed by Japanese forces. We haven't quite reached that <laughs> with uh, that we know of, with an additional 16,000 injured and 10,000 people were tried and convicted for their roles in the uprising. March 1st, by the way, is... Being, being tried, meaning like they literally just got charged and were convicted. And that's yeah, I don't was, think there was much think, like I don't think there was a trial. jury trial. Yeah. Yeah. March 1st is still a national holiday in both North and South Korea. Interesting. Okay. So the Japanese rule continued until the fall of the Axis powers, mm-hmm. so including and Japan and World yep. War II. Yep. Resulting in the presumptive presumptive independence of Korea, right? And it also resulted during negotiations at the Potsdam Conference, which seems to pop up so frequently. Around this era, yeah. (laughs) It's referenced quite a bit. Yes. (laughs) So it resulted in a division of the Korean Peninsula uh, into northern and southern portions, Mm -hmm. demarcated at 38 degrees north latitude, Hence the moniker, the 38th parallel. Mm -hmm. If you ever hear the 38th parallel. North of the latitude. Jeez, I wonder if they took kindly to that. (laughs) North of the latitude is where the USSR was to accept Japanese surrender at the end of the war. And south of the latitude is where the US was to do the same. However, the US government allowed some Japanese officials to remain in seats of power during a sort of like transitionary period to independence. And that ended up with the Korean people not super happy about that, right? Uh, uh, understandably. As for the USSR, it began establishing a communist regime in the northern part of the peninsula. And this all resulted in divisions due to the Cold War. Which was all literally planned in advance. Yep. Of like, a com- Gee, uh-huh. I wonder if the Soviet Union is going to try to install communism on... Right. <laughs> what are the odds? No, they're just going to let them be. It's going to be like a little playground for yeah. them. Like, just, I mean, the, the Cold War was literally on purpose. I'm not sure if people understand that or not. Like, but anyway, that's a different topic. Who who planned it? I think both the Soviet Union and the and the United States were like, in an order to, to build up all this stuff around them, mm-hmm. we're like, yeah, we were allies before. Not so much anymore. Well, in... Um, Anyway, that's a different topic. <laughs> okay. Different topic. I don't, I don't want to get off on this one too much. I gotcha. 
So the communist government um, installed in the North was led by Kim Il-sung mm-hmm. in North Korea. Who is uh, uh, the, current di- uh, the current dictator's grandfather. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And an eventual democratic government led by... Any ideas? An eventual democratic government? So, so who ruled in South... North- oh, in South Korea. South Korea. I have no idea. Sigmund Rhee. Have you ever heard of him? No. I have. You know why? Because you did you yoga? You Sigmund Rhee. Pale oh, and Kennedy. Chubby Chaka Psycho. Belgians in the Congo. We didn't start the fire. I swear every... Every historian he literally tried to get to literally tried to get everything that happened in the 20th century did. up until 1989 into that mm-hmm. song. The internet doesn't show up in that song, so it's a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Billy Joel. <laughs> so as was later the case in countless episodes the world over, the Korean Peninsula became the stage for a conflict by proxy yeah. between the two major actors in the decades-long Cold War. That's, yeah. I mean, Vietnam yeah. was a proxy war. Everything was a proxy. Basically, if it happened between 1945 and uh, 1991, it was a proxy war, more If or less. it wasn't the Revolutionary War... It's been a proxy war. Or the war Civil War? Mm-hmm. You could even, to an extent, call World War II a proxy war, although that's not how it turned out. That that was literally a struggle for that, that somebody was, not taking over the world. Exactly. <laughs> that that was that was actually on the line. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, like all of our all wars are proxy wars for the most part, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So what would become known as the Korean War started in June 1950, wherein both sides attempted a reunification of Korea. <laughs> Under their respective forms of government. Well, the result was anything but a unified Korea. Instead, it was further split along the 38th parallel, and they established the current DMZ, Demilitarized Mm -hmm. Zone, at the cost of an estimated 2 to 3 million Korean lives. Not to mention the deaths of hundreds of thousands of Korean and Chinese soldiers, as well as over... 36,000 American military mm-hmm. personnel. I didn't realize the, oh, yeah. that the American uh, death toll was that high. My grandpa, my dad's dad, mm-hmm. served in the army during Korea. I have mm-hmm. to ask him. I don't actually remember if he was deployed. I think Korea my grandfather was also still in the army. Yeah. He was. He fought during World War II. He okay. was in the uh, European theater. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty sure he was still in the army during Korea. He just didn't Did go get- over. Well, if he was a veteran, if he was yeah. an older guy, and if he wasn't... But, uh, but there are plenty of people that, that served in both, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. like, fought in both. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure MASH takes place, like... It does, during right, the Korean during War. Korean War? Yeah. yeah. Um, Abby will be happy at that shout-out. She loves MASH. <laughs> <laughs> so not only did the war not solve anything, it's not even technically <laughs> over. Did you know Fuck that? It. No, it's not. It, they never signed a peace treaty. Nope. So... I get not actively, but technically, North I mean, and it's South over. Korea are still at war. Yeah, Let's face it. Yeah, there's no ink. There, well, there's but but not only did it not solve anything, it made, it made everything it worse. everything worse. It, it made it worse. It absolutely did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that For all involved, including at this yeah. point, kind of the rest of the planet too. I'm pretty sure that one season of the Amazing Race, they went to South Korea. And visited the, the, the DMZ. DMZ. I yeah. think so. A guy I used to work with uh, was stationed there really? for for a year. He told me about it. He's just like, he's it's just bizarre. like it's the most. He's just like, he was like when you're in the DMZ. He's mm-hmm. like because there are zones outside of it. He's like when you're in the DMZ. He's like you feel like you're on just a different planet. He's like when you yeah. go back to base and go like in the town and uh-huh. south. He's like it, everything's kind of back to normal for uh-huh. a little bit. Uh huh. He's like but. He's like, but yeah, he's like Ugh. being, he was a guard in the DMZ. It must just feel like tense, constantly tense and scary. I'm sure that's probably how it felt. He yeah. just said it, it, the way he described it was, he's like, it felt like you were on another planet. Man. So as South Korea went along its road to democracy, North Korea maintained ties to China and the USSR, while Kim Il-sung worked to bring the country to a position of self-reliance, which was a regime dubbed Juche, which basically translates to self-reliance, under the totalitarian dictatorship of the Workers' Party of Korea. 
So North Korea initially outpaced South Korea economically post-World War II, but the roles reversed quickly after the 60s, resulting in South Korea's rapid outdevelopment of its northern counterpart, which was becoming increasingly isolated and more closely tied to developing nations than to the developed Western world. They're, they, um, well, anyway, you might get into it. Okay. I was going to say there are a lot of treaties and stuff that happened during that time. That no, they were I don't get into in. that. Oh, okay. I don't get into that that yeah. much. So really, things changed after the fall of the Soviet Union sure. pretty heavily because North Korea's ties to China and Russia became much looser. Resulting... And, and China was going through its own problems at this mm-hmm. time. China 30 years ago was not the economic power that it is today. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that resulted in, like, basically, North Korea was losing its few allies and becoming more isolated. And then that eventually resulted in an extremely antagonistic and mistrustful relationship with the United States. I'm not going to go into any current politics because this disaster takes place in, in the mid-90s. Um, we'll get, a, like, this much, tiny, tiny bit into, uh, uh, Kim Jong, which one? Kim mm-hmm. Jong Un is the one in now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kim, Kim Jong Un. Kim Il Sung is his is the grandfather. grandfather, and the father is. I have it here later. Okay, yeah, I'm sure we'll get Kim into Jong it. Kim Jong Il. That's what it Kim is. Kim Jong Il. Yes. That's right. Because he died suddenly. Well, he was 84, but true. He died of heart attack. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, suddenly. <laughs> suddenly of heart attack. He suddenly had a heart attack. <laughs> The North Korean economy, which already wasn't great, also took a nosedive um, as, uh, as, uh, after the fall of the Soviet Union. By the mid-1990s, the population of North Korea was around 21 or 22 million, and it remains somewhere in that ballpark today. The country had become, and continues to be, so isolated that citizens were largely living com- cut off completely from the rest of the world. So, now we are moving on to setting the stage for a hunger crisis. So, the Korean Peninsula isn't known for its amazing farmland or agricultural conditions. Very cold. Well, mountains and hills take up a huge portion Mm. of the land, and the area that isn't suitable to farming, uh, or that is suitable to farming, rather, is really limited. So, a lot of it is not suitable. As a result, both South and North Korea have had to look to their allies for assistance in trade, which has worked in South Korea because of its strong diplomatic ties with other countries. Unfortunately, after the Cold War, North Korea lost some of its strongest diplomatic allies, as I said, which resulted in substantial aid and trade relationships being lost. In an attempt to bolster its farmland, North Korea put a lot of faith in chemical fertilizers, and eventually overused them, causing the exact opposite of the intended reaction. Yeah. Since the early days of the Cold War, North Korea has controlled the majority of its citizens' access to food by rationing it through the public distribution system, which requires that those working in agriculture within the country surrender a portion of their crops to be re- redistributed in spe- specified quantities to those in more urban areas. Now, these specific quantities, in theory, should vary according to need, right? Um, But instead... Surprise, surprise. They are typically rationed by loyalty to the state, as well as political and economic clout. And this has... Uh, This had resulted, even in the sort of good old days where the USSR and China were allies with North Korea, in a lack of necessary nutrition to many citizens. I mean, for years, like slowly being malnourished, right? Typical rations for the elderly and children fell under world standards for a survivable diet. Oh, my God. Meaning like... World standards. World standards. Like, (laughs) if an average person at least hits this, they'll probably live. And they fell below that. Yes, for the elderly and for children. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. This failed distribution system was further compounded by the continuing regime of Juche, self-reliance, right? Propagated by Kim Il-sung, as the government was certainly not going to reach out to other countries for assistance. His regime began a campaign to encourage citizens to consume less. In other words, to starve Starve. voluntarily. They implemented the slogan, 
let's eat only two meals a day. I mean, but that shit works. I mean, if it didn't work, people wouldn't do it. What do you, what do you mean? I'm talking about the propaganda. Oh, it, well. Well, it didn't. Well, well, well it wor- worked in the propaganda's favor. I mean, I don't think people... No, it, no, it didn't. People weren't saying, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm going to starve to death. Because people are literally starving. Sure. They, and when people are starving, they're not saying, oh, but I still love my state. You know, my state, my government, you know. Kim Il-sung, who had ruled North Korea as the supreme leader for its entire existence. So from 1948 until 1980. 94. Oh, I got his uh, age of death wrong. He died at age 82 in 1994. And his successor was his son, Kim Jong-il. So uh, Kim Jong-il had inherited a country teetering on the economic and nutritional brink with the choice to either maintain his father's policy of isolationism or begin to open open diplomatic and economic ties to the rest of the world. Which way did he go? <laughs> I'm going to go with the former. <laughs> exactly. Yes. He, he didn't change anything. Because he's not starving. Though. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. Yep. So what does he give a shit? Yep. 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 So in this time of extreme instability, once again, as we have said time and time again here, nature still doesn't give a shit. So uh, I don't know about you, but... Around, like, 1995, 1996, there was a lot of talk about El Nino. Do you remember that? That was more 98-99. That's how I remember it. Well, apparently, no, it was, like, between 1990 and 1995. Oh, okay. At any rate, uh, I'm not going to go into a deep dive about El Nino, mostly because I couldn't really understand it. It was a weather pattern. Yes, essentially, it's a periodic shift in weather conditions in and over the Pacific Ocean that can result in an increase in certain extreme weather events, uh, as well as effects on other weather systems throughout the world. I think I'm thinking of La Nina, well, the yes, reverse they, of that, yes. which happened a couple years later. Yeah. That may have been it. I just remember when we moved back to Miami, which was like 1996, that they were talking they're about like, El Nino. Like, and then a band came out, and they're like, we're going to call ourselves Il Nino. Was there a band called yes, Il yes, Nino? Yes, there was. What were Probably they? still is. What were they? Like, what they was were uh, late 90s, you know, the... Um... Boy band or something? No, no, no. Like, uh, what am I trying to say? Not uh, not goth rock, but kind of in that vein <laughs> a little bit. Like I-L-N-I-N-E-A-O? Il Nino. Yes, N-I-N-O. I-L-L-N-I-N-O. Il Nino. <laughs> <laughs> so weird i have to google that <laughs> so in 1995 this el nino event was specifically causing precipitation in north korea and not just precipitation but massive widespread flooding mm. and this resulted in an estimated crops 15 percent of farmable land being uh destroyed and when your farmable land is already yes minimal extremely minimal losing 15 percent mm-hmm. of it that's that's a lot exactly that's exactly right if you lost 15 percent of farmland and well i think we do every year Anywhere, yeah in in, oh, uh, in like america it's like stuff. whatever we'll we'll get through it uh there i don't think they had the same uh well especially optimism. when you're saying we'll only accept like we won't accept aid or food from anywhere else i mean of course so this the flooding in turn resulted in further significant food shortages. Estimates by the UN, the United Nations, uh, estimated damage from the floods to have been around $15 billion, which is more like $25 billion today, damaging almost 100,000 homes, displacing half a million people, and ruining 1.9 million tons of crops in a place where people are already starving. Mm -hmm. In a place where the... the world nutrition average is already below there. Yes. Uh-huh. And, they're, and they're losing 15% of... Yes, they're not even getting a survivable amount of food now. Mm-hmm. As is a typical scenario in a dictatorship, when resources are scarce, they are... Hoarded. The blank. <laughs> That's literally what I wrote. Yeah, Hoarded and distributed yeah. first and most abundantly to those deemed politically and economically important, i.e., 
the executive powers and the military forces they yeah. use to enforce their power. Of course. It's it, it I mean, there's there's economics involved in that. Yeah? I mean, mm-hmm. you corner the market. Mm-hmm. David, let's not get political. I'm sorry. People didn't tune in to hear For us communism. get political. <laughs> we were supposed to be journalists. Did yeah, you not right. know? <laughs> we have no opinions. So let's shape up here. So this is exactly, obviously, what happened in North Korea, leaving the bulk of citizens with even fewer rations of food than before. Um, Some officials also used their clout to hoard for themselves personally. Not a shock. Uh, Further, the government started demanding greater portions of farmers' crops. Oh, is that the Demer? It is. Is he outside? Yeah, he's coming in. Come on, Demi. Come on, Demetrius. Is he coming in? I think he will. There he is. Okay, right. there we go. We had children over earlier. He was traumatized by that. <laughs> and continues to be. Yes. Yes, <laughs> poor boy. He's our little sensitive man. All right. Uh, so these farmers who were like, okay, they, they were being told, hand over more of your crops yeah. during a crisis. More like this. of what you have 15% less of. Yes, exactly. Uh, so... Obviously, many of these people were already suffering from the effects of the flooding, so they started hoarding their own crops. Of course. For yeah, understandable and, and, reasons. And so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. As officials began discovering this, the fastest resolution for both the farmers and the officials was bribery by the farmers giving food to the government workers, to the officials. On top of all of this, there was a fuel shortage... Because of the isolationist policy of the country, so even crops that were available to be distributed often couldn't be effectively transported. As resources went from scarce to nearly non-existent, North Korea... I almost said North Carolina. North... (laughs) No. North Korea... I think we'd let our audience know if it's gotten that bad. I think so. North Korea began reducing daily rations to average citizens to a point where everyone, not just children and the elderly, were receiving amounts that didn't even meet minimal survivable portions. By the fall of 1995, things had deteriorated so badly in North Korea that Kim Jong-il's government did something it, by definition just did not do it reached out to the international community for aid wow. that's how bad, bad it was yes like this isolation thing is just not working out that well great. i don't think that was what they were going for they were going for oh we're gonna stay isolated but it's so bad that we have to reach out for now sure uh, the it's a good card to play. Re- yeah. The regime told the rest of the world the floods had left the country in crisis and appealed for aid. The United Nations responded by appealing to its member nations to provide $15.7 million in aid, which is like 26 or $27 million today. Surprising from a humanitarian perspective, but not a political one, nations didn't exactly, like, immediately jump in. Uh, a lot of people had beefs with North Korea. And not only were some countries, including the U.S., Japan, and South Korea, already in a strained relationship with North Korea, but they were also concerned by this point the country was ramping up a nuclear weapons program, which is a concern that has never gone away. Nope. Uh, yeah, th- this is, I mean, I uh-huh. kind of slightly remember this. Do because you? I, I was not paying attention to the news all that much at that time i was 18 this would have been like you just graduated yes. from high school but i do remember like i was 10 this is when north korea came into the news mm. i was like north korea what's mm. that what's that mm. <laughs> well because and, really, and it has w- kind of never left and yeah it's only been ramped up really because of uh post 9 11 yeah mm-hmm. like we needed a new boogeyman you know, Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, they've they've served that role pretty well mm-hmm. most of this century. Mm-hmm. Eventually, $1.2 million of pledged aid was scrounged up, which is like a million today, with the United States offering $25,000, the smallest amount of any nation that Did you mean $1.2 billion before? No, I did not. What did $1. you mean? $1.2 million. They asked for $15.7 million in aid. Okay. The UN scrounged up $1.2 oh, the, okay. They did not meet the, gotcha. the request. 
Um, and the U.S. pitched in the least with twenty five thousand dollars, which is like forty two thousand right. dollars. It's insulting. It's, it's like it's like the president dropped that out of his wallet. Yeah, basically. Like, oh, I'm sorry. Here, you can have that. Give that billfold to North Korea. Apparently, and I don't really get into this here, but a large part of it was political pressure with like Congress being like, well, until North Korea like signs a, a nuclear disarmament agreement or something, we can't be encouraging them to oh yeah. like live and yeah. not starve their citizens. Yeah. The, the country that has produced more nuclear weapons by a mile than any other country on earth will get to say who gets to and who does exactly. not get to mm-hmm. because we're not going to use them for anything nefarious. Of course not. Even though we're the only country that, that literally has, has. <laughs> used them for something nefarious, yes. <laughs> so, Holy fuck. I mean, I don't want, don't get me wrong, don't really want North Korea to get a nuclear weapon. Mm-hmm. At the same time, I don't want the United States telling people who should and shouldn't Being have the ultimate, them. Yeah, say yeah, yeah. So, however, direct food aid was being provided to North Korea by this point, especially by South Korea. It wasn't sufficient to end the crisis, though, and conti- conditions continued to deteriorate for North Koreans. So, when people are literally starving, obviously they get desperate because it's literally a matter of life and death, people with access to farmland became so desperately hungry, they would eat crops before they matured, like literally sure. corn cobs before they yeah. put kernels on sure. them. Smuggling across the border uh, with China hey, it's increased a, drastically. It's a fucking every man for himself economy. And an estimated quarter million North Koreans just flat out fled across the border to, to China, China defected. Yep. A growing you, you still see that even to this day. Yeah. A growing and justified mistrust of the Kim family resulted in more North Koreans participating in various black market activities, which by definition just means out of the purview and regulation of the government, right? Which is apparently a tradition that continues pretty heavily today. Oh so, hell yeah. Um what from what I read, like it's sort of like Again, there's a lot of mystery surrounding the culture of North Korea because it's so deliberately closed off, but it's apparently just extremely common for citizens to have like a side hustle, wink, wink, that's not under the control or knowledge of the government. There is that meme that's gone around here and there whenever tensions with North Korea ramp up. It's the meme of somebody holding a, a disk drive being like, with this technology, we'll rule the world. <laughs> like, not realizing that that technology right. is like 30 years like yeah. past its prime. Yeah. <laughs> but why, how would they know anything different? Yeah. yeah. I mean, really. So to add insult to injury on the part of nature, after the flooding, North Korea experienced severe drought conditions causing further damage to the food supply. As infrastructure continued to siphon off supplies to the elite and the government, the citizens of North Korea were left to suffer. Especially vulnerable were women who were pregnant or nursing and children, because, like, those are the most devastating effects. Like, you have to eat a lot if you're pregnant. Well, and um, malnutrition can lead to birth defects oh, and all, all sorts, sorts of, of other issues. Yeah. Um, eventually the famine led to an entirely new term to describe an emerging mass of homeless children Mm. that remains to this day. They're called Kojebi, which means flowering swallows. It's like a whole group of kids that just don't have a home. Stories from survivors of the famine, which generally come from those who defected, obviously, include a woman whose son died in her arms begging for rice to eat. I mean, it was just that desperate. It was that bad. The crisis point of the famine came... The crisis point of the famine came to an end around 1998. we're not there yet. Well, no, no, I'm saying the worst of it, like, started subsiding in 1998. It's never ended, ultimately, but... The United States didn't start shipping major food aid to the country until 1997, which is also thought to have been the year to see the most deaths. By 1998, harvests within North Korea improved, which also helped. The famine earned its own state-mandated name. So they're like, okay, here is what we're officially calling this period of time. We're not calling it a famine. We are calling it Konanui Hangong, the arduous march. 
meant to invoke the memory of an apocryphal story of Kim Il-sung leading a small scrappy band of soldiers against thousands of enemies under terrible conditions. So it was meant to seem like, oh, but we all banded together and, and went against this terrible enemy when it was like literally preventable by the state. So mm-hmm. it uh, put a spin on it, his propaganda. So, uh, yeah, it was uh, a series. It, so they, they were trying to make it sound like it was a series of unfortunate events and not like the complete abandonment of the North Korean people by its government, by their government. So because of how closed off North Korea is, is, is as a country, the exact number of those who died as a result of this massive famine isn't known, but estimates by the United States Congress, the U.S. Census Bureau, and others are in the ballpark of between a quarter million and 3.5 million mm. people. The malnutrition that happened to the people who did survive led to an untold amount of illness, shortened lifespans, mm-hmm. noticeably stunted growth in children, and other adverse health effects for those who survived. I read that, um, uh, like, of people who were growing up during these years, their height is, like, on average, several inches shorter than South Koreans during really? who grew up during the same time. Like they're literally shorter oh as a God. result. I mean, because that's a thing. If you don't sure. get enough nutrition when you're growing, your growth can be stunted. Yeah. yeah. Then you just won't grow. Well, there's no- nothing for your body to use to grow. <laughs> yeah. yeah. As the worst of the famine passed in the late 20th century, North Korea's openness to the rest of the world still barely budged beyond what was absolutely necessary to accept to end the crisis. Kim Jong-il would again accept food aid in 2005 after he caused uh, (laughs) another crisis by outlawing the private sale of grain within the country. In the meantime, North Korea continued to agonize, especially the U.S., by conducting Nuclear weapons testing. As for the citizens of North Korea, while the major crisis seen during the famine has passed, that doesn't mean that people aren't still malnourished still and starving. The and they effects. are. Yeah. Well, or act, people are still actively starving there. Mm-hmm. Actively. In 2011, former U.S. President Jimmy Carter visited the country and reported back it was clear a significant portion of the children there, he estimated about a third, were malnourished. Jimmy Carter went to North Korea. He went to North Korea in 2011. I didn't, I didn't yep. know that. Mm-hmm. The UN estimates that about 40% of North Koreans do not have access to adequate supplies of food, sanitation, or health care. International aid still provides food for the vast majority of citizens, and further catastrophe on the same scale as in the 90s is never far away. <clears throat> In 2019, last year, a poor harvest resulted in further food shortages, resulting in more international aid. By all reports, the country is in more and more dire straits this year, in 2020, Mm. between the results of the recent food crisis and the COVID pandemic, as well as instability caused by the rumored ill health of Kim Jong-un, Kim Jong-il's son, who came into power upon Jong-il's death in 2011. While the party line is that COVID has not caused any deaths in North Korea, others report differently, though the country's general isolationist politic policies may actually ironically be helping keep the death toll to a minimum, right? North Korea's food shortages made further headlines this year when Kim Jong-un banned citizens from owning pet dogs, ordering them to hand over their pet dogs to the state to be used as meat. I was going to say. Which is yeah. obviously offensive to Western sensibilities, but eating dogs is much more common in Korea. And in fact, dogs are generally owned, not generally owned as pets, except by the wealthy in Korea. Hmm. This would seem to indicate that food is indeed becoming more scarce within the country and combined with COVID and North Korea's isolationism could lead to further unnecessary deaths due to starvation even now. That was the story of the North Korean famine. What an uplifting story. I know. <sighs> my God. It's... Yeah. My... Uh, again, parallels. I mean, what's going on in the United States during this COVID crisis is not pretty. It's not There at are all. people starving. There yes. are... Th- oh, there my are... I meant to read this. So, um, I think it was in The Intercept. They... Uh, 
they had information regarding studies done on, I forget if it was just Americans writ large or America's children. And apparently, um, children who didn't have adequate food supply, which this was already too high prior to the COVID pandemic, mm-hmm. was somewhere around 3%. Mm-hmm. Now it's like 10%. In America, in the United States. Yeah. And it is completely because of a systemic failure. Systemic failure, I mean, can literally starve 3 million people. So, But to us, 3 million people is 1%. But what I'm saying, if you take it percentage-wise, oh, extrapolate that out. That's what I'm saying, though. But to us, well, like 1%, we, don't, we disregard that. Like, it doesn't... Well, apparently we really do because yeah. 200,000 people dead it of COVID nothing. doesn't seem to be yeah. making many of us bat an eye. Yeah. That's the... That's the thing. It, we're so big and there's so many of us. <laughs> like, oh, it's like, only killing one like, in 10,000. Like, that's not a big like deal. Like if you lose 200,000 people, it's like no big deal. Ugh. You know, you can just move on. It's really know? sick. Which was her president alluded to the other day, uh, um, sadly. Again. Mm-hmm. But anyway... Uh, but vote. The, but <laughs> the, I mention that. But what was kind of twisting my stomach a little bit listening to this story is mm-hmm. we're about to experience similar things here. Maybe not to that degree, but... We don't know what we're about to experience. We don't. Yeah. No, we don't. No, I'm saying oh. as far as people not having enough to eat, we're, we're we already, already experiencing that. We are yes. there. So yeah. it's not we're about to. Yeah. We're it, there. It may get exacerbated. Like we, it we might, don't, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. we don't know. Yep. Um, something I meant to mention earlier, so uh, I'll say it. I probably say it, say it every uh, every day until our after election day vote. Please vote once, and that's it. <laughs> yes. Um, please do vote just once. Please vote in person if you can safely and comfortably um, or drop off your ballot if possible. Um, if you do need to put it through the mail, understood. Um, but I will say, so I'm volunteering as a, or I shouldn't say volunteering, they do actually pay. Um, I'm working as a poll worker for our county uh, for the early voting and on election day. And I have to say, I was, I did a Zoom safety training uh for it this week and i was so impressed by their thoroughness yeah you said I that mean, they are i mean they're abundance which, of cautioning the which, shit out of it good like that should be the expectation i mean not, we're talking not like a surprise we're but. talking surgical masks for all voters although to be clear and you can tell this to your st- stupid ass denying friends <laughs> if you have any um like, you cannot be denied the right to vote if you refuse to wear a mask. Um, you're a fucking asshole, but you cannot be denied. And I'm not talking about people who can't use them for medical reasons. You know that. I'm only talking about people who are, like, denying it and thinking that they're somehow... Whatever. Fuck those people. Anyway, they can still vote. And they still have That's that right. a great right. title for an album, though. Somehow, whatever. <laughs> fuck those people. Um... They are uh, maintaining, so you know, like enforcing social distancing, gently, of course. Uh, all all poll workers are being given N95 masks, which is amazing. Those are the, those are the Goggles top of the line. or face shields if you wear glasses. Um, we're having little partitions between us and the voters. Gloves. Uh, aprons to hold things so we don't have to keep like grabbing things from different places. Every voter will get their own pen. Like we're no longer tied. Sure. Like we use, so we don't use electronic voting here in North Carolina. It's all done on paper. And uh, normally you tie a pen to a string and just, uh, you know, that, that stays at the voting booth. That is not, That's happening. not happening. Every person is no. getting a, a pen. They can keep it. They can throw it away. Whatever. But everyone's getting their own pen. They are wiping down all the voting booths. All the voting booths will be six feet apart. It is going to take forever to vote on, during busy times, I will grant you. And the lines will seem extremely long because they're spaced out. But um, go during a downtime and early voting if you can. That would be my number one suggestion. Definitely early voting. Yeah, if your state has it, because not every state does. Yeah, and if there's still time and you're young enough and healthy enough and won't be a risk to anybody else, um, like, we need still need poll workers. And uh, so... 
please volunteer if you can um, at all, even, you know, just on election day. Uh, because, I mean, the government can kill three million people through starvation. Which, uh, let's put that into context, in a country of 21 million, that's one in seven people. Yeah. So that's um, that's like the equivalent of... One in seven many. here would be 50 million people. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, uh, it's really <laughs> fucking important that you vote. Anyway, on that note... <laughs> I'm, I'm, tr- I'm, I'm trying to make a, a smooth segue. Yeah, it was well done. From the, uh, this is a short one comparatively. The cut we're going to have to make. Yeah. If you heard a weird cut there, that was because of me. Yes. <laughs> yes, this this has been one of our shorter episodes. Yeah, we've rambled a lot lately. We have. <laughs> which is what we're going to end right now. There we go. And that was the story. Hang on. There we go. <laughs> of the North Korea famine. Yes. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. And we'll see you next week.